to Unpacking Injustice with the Montana Innocence Project. This podcast tells the real stories behind wrongful and unjust convictions and illuminates the complex issues responsible for making our criminal justice system unjust. Today, we are bringing you the story of Dave Wilkes. He was freed by the Montana Innocence Project in 2020 after spending nine years wrongfully incarcerated for the deliberate homicide of his three-month-old son, Gabriel. Let's begin unpacking. So my name is Dave, also known as Robert Wilkes. I was wrongfully convicted in December of 2009 after a four-day murder trial for the death of my son, Gabriel, in October 2008. Dave's son, Gabriel, named after his best friend at the time, was born on July 5th, 2008. Dave met Gabe's mom, Sonia, about two years prior. I know it was August 16th. It's the day that Elvis passed away. That's what I remember. I mean, not that very day, but anyway, we met at a clubhouse bar in Missoula, Montana. Uh, We were introduced by a friend of mine, but uh, her and I seemed to hit it off really well. She was working for... uh, uh, a retirement community place in Missoula at that point. Um, Seemed to be doing well from what I could tell. I knew she had a daughter outside of the house, but I didn't didn't realize the whole circumstances behind any of that. But again, I mean, her and I just kind of hit it off, you know, just casual relationship. We'd go out and have a few drinks, you know, some dancing. We went to a few concerts together. Uh, Just seemed like a really decent person. Dave was in Washington visiting his mom when he got the text from Sonia that he was going to be a dad. I lost my mind. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, losing my mind like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? It's more, you know, this is my firstborn child. And we already knew the sex. We knew it was going to be a boy. So I was extremely excited. I went up to the nursing home and told my mom. And of course, I told my brother, Tony, that lived up that way and you know, the rest of my family letting them know, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm finally going to be a daddy. It's just the best thing that I'd ever done with my life, period. I mean, up to that point, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it changed me a lot. It really did. During her pregnancy, Sonia moved into Dave's apartment. At about 1.30 one morning, she woke up from an intense dream. She was having this weird dream. She dreamt that she got punched in her gut. She wakes up. And it's her water breaking is what it is. And she's like, you know, and I'm dead to the world. You know, I, I just got off work, dead to the world. She's punching me in my arm, you know, this and that. Dave, Dave, come on, wake up, wake up. Baby's coming. And I'm like, I instantly sit up in bed. I'm like, oh, shit, what the, you know, I'm like, oh, my God. So anyway, uh, we get to the hospital and Gabriel wasn't born until, it, it seems to me he was born at 1055 the next morning. I remember crying that day uh, when he came out and he started bawling and I was bawling. I was bawling like a little girl. Um, I remember having to help the doctor, you know, uh, I didn't help deliver him, but, uh, you know, I, I was in there and, and, you know, most fathers, they take, they fall out. Now it wasn't like that with me. Uh, and not that I'm a tough guy either, mind you. I mean, you know, seeing the stuff you do, I mean, it's, that's a little oddball, but uh, uh, just one of the best, uh, it, it it, it was the best day of my life. They took Gabe home the next day. Dave's brother stopped by to take pictures and congratulate the new parents. 
Dave was so excited about the future. But the following day, everything changed. I get a knock at the door. And it's a couple of people that I don't know. They came in, and I remember them telling me that they had to take Gabe. And I was like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I I don't remember a lot of the conversation. I mean, we're talking 14 years ago. Um, I just remember kind of like, I started going numb, I guess you could say. But I, I, I really don't remember a lot about the day that they took him, other than that they, they did take him. And he was gone for the next two months. And the only time that I could see him was through, uh, uh, there was a place there on 3rd Avenue, right down the street from my apartment at that point, called The Parenting Place. And I remember I could go in for like short visits. This is before, you know, before the custody trial and this and that. Um, I could go in for like short visits and, and kind of see him and this and that. So anyway, CPS has come in, they put him in foster care. Uh, it took me about two months before I got Gabriel home. Sonia had a drug related felony and an active CPS case with her daughter. She was not meeting CPS or probation requirements. So when Kate Larkham, the CPS caseworker assigned to their case, learned Sonia was pregnant, she planned to remove the baby from their custody once he was born. Because Sonia was living with Dave while she was pregnant, CPS viewed Dave as creating a dangerous environment for Gabe. During the time she was pregnant, I had her living in the apartment with me. Uh, Section 8 housing, that's a big no-no unless they're on the lease. And because of Sonia's felony and, you know, what she was going through at that point, it's real hard to try to get on a lease when you have a felony. I hadn't had a felony conviction in, shit, I don't know, almost 20 years at that point. So I, I had no issue with, you know, credit and this and that. You know, I was able to get into my apartment. Um, they knew I was on disability. But again, too, I wasn't going to kick Sonia out first off while she was pregnant. And second off, you know, I mean, hell, I just got my boy home. I mean, I'm, I'm not kicking her, you know, kicking her out or, oh, well, hey, you can't stay here. This is my son. And, you know, da, 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 da. You know, so, uh, you know, it was basically trying to get, not only my family going, but also trying to help Sonia get on her feet the best she could because she had a job again at that point while she was with me. You know, I mean, it, it, I, was, I was trying to build, you know, the, the perfect family. Dave won back sole custody of Gabe in just two months. He was participating in substance use treatment at a place called Turning Point. With CPS now involved, they wanted him to be near completion of the treatment sustain stable housing for Gabe, and acquire all the baby's necessities. Dave had no problem completing these tasks and did so in record time. His home was stocked with multiple cases of formula, and he had clothing and toys to last Gabe well into his third year. Dave fondly remembers his friends at Turning Point celebrating Gabe's return home and recognizing Dave's achievements during this difficult time. Well, yeah, so so turning point, uh, I was doing intensive outpatient uh, treatment because I'd gotten a DUI. I can't remember if it was like right. I think it was like right after my mom passed. It might have been right before. I can't remember. It seems it was a, it seems it was that day. But um, anyway, um, so I was going through turning point. Uh, I had groups about three times a week and. 
you know, it was basically, uh, I, I couldn't drink. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't smoke any illicit drugs, um, marijuana. Uh, <laughs> it was basically just about, you know, the, the groups were basically about, uh, you know, why did you start drinking or smoking weed um, or, you know, why you're doing these, these illicit things and trying to kind of delve deeper into yourself to try not only to clean yourself up, but also, you know, try to get you a better mindset about, do I really need to do this? So anyway, the day I graduated, uh, they had decided to surprise me with a baby shower and Gabriel was there. So, you know, of course, they, they bought him, you know, some little bibs and I don't know, I think he got a onesie or two and, you know, some little toys and this and that. And, you know, but it, it, it made me feel good. I mean, not only not only is a proud daddy at that point, but also, uh, uh, you know, to be recognized that, hey, look, you know, OK, yeah, I mean, I, I do drink. I still drink beer. Um, I was drinking beer back then. I mean, not not at that point, but um it was a matter of that I was able to put something aside and, and make what was most important in my life important instead of, you know, just partying on and, and, and this and that. Um, but it, it made me feel good to be recognized by, by my peers, I guess you could say, because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of times you don't get that, you know, people see it and they just walk on by and, you know, okay, well, that's fine. And, and most of my peers at that point I was being recognized by were bandmates and, and bikers. You know, which, of course, you know, smoking and drinking and all that craziness, is, you know, that's going to go on. So to be recognized by somebody that wasn't within my clique, I guess you could say, uh, it felt really good. For the next month, Dave and Gabe settled into their new routine together. Yeah, so I'd get him up in the morning or he'd actually get me up in the morning. <laughs> uh, you know, feed him, change him this and that, um, get him in the bath. Uh, I'd always like raspberry his feet or his belly, you know, get him giggling a little bit, you know, and, and just trying to, you know, trying to have some us time. Um, you know, the night before, uh, I would always set up his bottles, you know, so I always had, you know, at least a bottle or two on hand. That way I didn't have to go rushing and trying to find a bottle or, you know, uh, uh, always had his diaper bag ready to go, you know, diapers and, and formula and bottles and, you know, uh, extra onesie or two, you know, just in case. Um, it was it, it was all about him at that point. It it uh, my 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 days without my boy would have been really boring. Um, I mean, aside from you know going to the bar or setting up music or or whatever I was doing at that point, but uh, I don't know. And uh, I wish I still had that routine. I really do. I'd actually bought him a little leather jacket uh, and I'd taken him by the clubhouse one day and my buddies in the clubhouse were talking about, they were going to get him patched. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm sure, I'm sure his mother would love that, you know, and, and that, that was, uh, again, probably not appropriate, but I, I didn't feel I was stepping wrong or doing anything wrong. I mean, I was like over over the moon, elated, and I wanted all my friends. It didn't matter whether they were preachers, doctors, lawyers, judges, whoever, you know, or or my class of people, you know, the God forbid the long hair and tattoos. And um I wanted everybody to know just how happy I was and, and to see my beautiful baby boy, you know. 
Dave's apartment complex moved him from a one-bedroom into a two-bedroom so Gabe could have a nursery. On October 4th, 2008, Dave was moving his belongings into the new place. Tressa, a woman who lived in the building, was babysitting Gabe. She also had small children and had offered to watch Gabe whenever Dave needed a hand. My buddy Jeff was helping me move some heavy stuff out of the out of the third floor down into this new apartment. And I told Teresa, I said, look, I said, I'll give you a few extra bucks. Uh, I want to take I want to take Jeff down to uh, I was going down to West Side Lanes is what it was, because it was between my place and my brother-in-law's place. And I was still moving stuff from my brother-in-law's place over into my bigger my bigger apartment, uh, still moving stuff from the third floor. I, I told Teresa, I said, look, I said. Jeff and I, and I was already done with uh, Turning Point and everything. I can legally drink again and all this and that. And I was on foot. So uh, I told Tressa, I said, look, I said, uh, if you can watch Gabriel for a little while longer, I'll give you like an extra 25, 50 bucks. And I want to take Jeff down to the bar and have just a pitcher of beer. Okay. So Jeff had had a buddy of his. I think his name was Dave, too, if I remember right. Um, he had helped me with this great big oak kitchen table that I had. The thing weighed about 300 pounds. And so we got it between the three of us, but taking it down three flights of stairs, this and that. So I told Jeff and Dave, I said, look, I said, I'll buy y'all a beer. You know, we'll get a pitcher. And I think I had a glass, a glass of beer. Okay. Mind you. So anyway, uh, Jeff and, and his buddy, they leave. And uh, I get back to pick Gabriel up. This is about nine o'clock or thereabouts. It might've been a little bit before. It might've been like quarter to nine. Um, Tressa was going ahead and uh, she went ahead and fed him. And uh, I was getting his diaper bag ready to go. And his car seat, now we're going to put him in his car seat. Well, he puked all over Tressa. And so she's like, well, hell, I got to go jump in the shower. You know, here, here's the baby. And, and, you know, I'll see you later. And I'm like, all right. Well, then Gabriel had also thrown up on me. Um, I had a black muscle T-shirt on at that point. And so as soon as I got him home, um, I took and took his onesie off, uh, got him cleaned up, and I laid him down just on uh, – my mom had given me some, like, big old heavy blankets and quilts and whatnot. Gabriel's crib was still up in the old apartment at this point. I was going to go get it the next day and get it set up that night. But um, – so anyway, I laid him down, and it had been a long day at that point. You know, we'd been moving all day. Uh, I bought like a, a subway footlong, and I ate half of it at lunch. And I was gonna, I was gonna sit down and eat the other half that night. And I grabbed a Sprite soda, um, took about a half sip, and I heard some gurgling coming from the bedroom. And I was like, what the hell? So I jump up, I set my soda down. I haven't even ate it. It got into my sandwich or nothing yet. I get into the room and Gabriel's laying face down in a puddle of puke. And I'm like, what the hell? So I pick him up and then he puked again. And he was gasping for air. Uh, he was turning red in the face. Freaked me out. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally freaking out now. And I'm trying to dig in his mouth, trying to find out what's going on there. You know, see if he's like choking on something. Well, then he goes limp in my arms. And so now I'm really freaked out. I can't find my phone. I have one of the first smartphones they had back in, one of the flat phones, you know, like I have now. Um, it was in my back pocket the whole time, but I couldn't find it, you know, because I'm, I'm flipping out. So anyway, I put Gabriel on the 
I had a futon in my living room at that point, served as another bed and a couch. Um, I put Gabriel on the on the futon, and well, no, actually, I'd taken him. What I'd done is, I, I, I when I still had him in my arms, I'd taken and I put my hand up underneath his stomach, and I was trying to pound on his back um, to get whatever you know was out that was you know obstructing his breathing, and that wasn't working. So I laid him down on the couch. And I was trying to do CPR on him and that wasn't working. And so I'm like, okay, screw it. I got to get out of here. It wasted too much time. So I, I grab him up. All he's got on is a diaper. And uh, I go running over to Tressa's and I start pounding on the door. And I'm like, Tressa, Tressa, open it. You know, and, and I'm, I'm vocal, you know, I'm like just yelling. I'm like, hey. And she finally comes to the door and she just gotten out of the shower. She comes to the door and she's like, what's going on? I said, Gabe's not breathing. I said, I need help. Dave describes that night as going from bad to worse. Tressa called 911. When the ambulance arrived, they resuscitated Gabe and then rushed him to community hospital. It, it seemed like everything just went like way slow motion. The EMS guys, they, they had told the detectives later that I was acting out of sorts. And I'm thinking, you know, and this is stuff I'm reading after the fact. I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know. How are you supposed to act? You know, should I have been hysterical or, or it, it just, it, it's weird. It's like, it's like part of my mind had just shut down and I was watching this stuff from like outside my body, if that makes any sense. I didn't know how to react. I, I, I wasn't sure. First off, I wasn't sure what the hell was going on because uh, I knew I hadn't done anything, but it, it was the idea that, okay, why did my son, why did my son choke? You know, I mean, he puked up some. You know, after he'd had the bottle and I'd always laid him on his stomach. And I was actually told this by one of the well nurses, uh, even though they say lay a baby on its back. And I kept thinking, well, no, I don't want him to do that because he's going to choke on his puke. You know, and we had like towel rolls and stuff set up around him, you know. And he, I mean, he wasn't like bumping his head off, nothing, this and that. Um, he wasn't going to hurt himself. And he was in like these big ass, like I said, these big quilts. I, I don't know. The whole that whole night was just completely surreal. Missoula Police Department detectives Dean Christensen and Guy Baker took Dave's statement about what happened that night. Then they collected photographic evidence from the apartment before driving him to the hospital. I remember talking with the doctor vaguely, uh, Lori Carter, and I told them about Gabriel. It wasn't just spit up. I mean, this kid would power hurl uh, every time he had a bottle. It never failed. I mean, it was every time. Just three weeks prior, Dave took Gabe to his well nurse because he wasn't tolerating his bottles. Although Gabe was Dave's first biological child, he had been around children, including stepdaughters from a former marriage, enough to know that this wasn't normal. The nurse advised Dave to change Gabe's formula to Similac-sensitive and introduce gas drops. That night at the hospital, he shared this information with the doctors, but because he only had Gabe back for a little less than a month, he didn't have any other medical information to share about the first two months of Gabe's life. So doctors immediately began to consider other possibilities beyond an organic medical explanation. So the next thing I hear is that uh, it was, uh, they needed to do a, an accidental and abusive head trauma workup, uh, I believe is what it was. From what I've been able to determine, uh, 
as far as like other cases such as mine, uh, there's a lot of doctors that as soon as they have an infant or a child that comes in that they suspect has injuries, they're immediately going to do a trauma workup. And, you know, it, it's usually shaking baby or, you know, something like that. I mean, that's, that's their go-to. Um, Dr. Carter or somebody from the hospital had called Sonia. She came in. I was sitting there bawling, flipped out. You know, I don't know where Gabe's at at this point. Um, not realizing that they were doing like CTs and MRIs and all this on him. Because uh, they'd brushed him off as soon as I got there. I remember the detectives coming back at some point, And they wanted to speak with me and Sonia and Tressa, the babysitter. I know, I know it was, it was way late by the time we got out of there. I know that it probably closer to four o'clock in the morning by the time we got done. But uh, yeah, it was just a, just a long, that was one of many long nights. Um, But just not knowing what was going on or what was coming. I had no clue. I just, I was stunned and, and all I could think about was Gabriel. I couldn't think about, you know, is somebody coming after me or they're going to go after Sonia? They're going to go after the babysitter. It was, it was more just what is going on with my son? You know, somebody, somebody do something, somebody, somebody say something. Gabe was at community hospital in Missoula for two days before he was life flighted to Sacred Heart Medical Center in Spokane, Washington where he remained until his transfer to hospice. It was at Sacred Heart that doctors and detectives began building a case against Dave based on the controversial diagnosis of shaken baby syndrome, which we will discuss in the next episode. Justice is a Montana Innocence Project podcast. The artwork was created by Rob Truax, and the music was composed by Corey Fay. To learn more about the Montana Innocence Project, visit our website at mtinnocenceproject.org or follow us on social media at Big Sky Innocence. Thank you for unpacking injustice with the Montana Innocence Project.